You are not alone. You are valuable. You are so valuable and you are so loved. This is a quote from my interview with Manyi Ebert. Manyi Ebert is a servant of Jesus Christ, serving people and her purpose as a wife, mother for certified trauma recovery coach, author of The Cage Giant, From Victim Through Survival to Triver. She is the founder of Possibility Ram and the lead facilitator of Possibility Ram Sisterhood Gathering. Before we get to my interview with Manyi, I would like to introduce Joy in Purpose podcast to our new listeners. Welcome to Joy in Purpose podcast. My name is Lola. I am a doctoral student in a psychology program. Joy in Purpose is a podcast dedicated to conversations about purpose, career development, and mental health. I also interview individuals as they share their purpose stories. I would like to remind our listeners that this podcast is not a replacement for therapy. Information shared on this platform is for educational purposes only. Thank you for listening. Hello, Mayu. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on your podcast. It's really a pleasure that you invited me. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so on the show, we like to get to know our guests uh, a little bit more on a deeper level. So where were, and I think it's just interesting to ask people about their origin story. Where were you born? And tell us your favorite childhood memory. I was born in Cameroon in West Africa. And my favorite childhood memories was playing outside. Presently, I live in Canada. And it's a lot different, especially now that I'm raising my kids. If the kids are playing outside, you have to be there with them playing. But one of my favorite childhood memories was being able to run around with all the kids in the neighborhood, play hide and seek. And from dawn to dusk, as soon as you get back from school, you can play, come back and eat, and go back and continue playing outside. So I really love the outdoors. I think that favorite childhood memory of mine instilled in me the love for the outdoors because I spent most of my childhood playing outside. There was We had very few, little to no toys to play with. So either you create your own toys that you can play with or you just run around and play. And it was really fun. Yeah. And I'm very sure that the weather in Cameroon is way different <laughs> than the weather in Canada. Absolutely. It's warm yeah. all year round. Sometimes I tell my kids, I'm like, it's summer in Cameroon all year round. And they go, really? I said, yeah, it's so, it's always sunny. If it's not sunny, it's raining, but it's not cold. Even when it's raining, we play in the rain because it's still warm, although it's raining. So we have the rainy season and the dry season, but it feels like summer all year round because it's always warm. Exactly. It's the same in Nigeria too. It's always warm. We have sunny season and uh, rainy season as well. So it, I'm very sure it, your children are having a different childhood on a different level than you did. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so you told us like what you what you enjoy doing, your favorite memory, which is playing outside, which I think is great. What was like your favorite passion? Because sometimes as a child, we have like a p- passion, maybe it's drawing, singing, dancing. So what was your passion as a child? My passion has always been reading, reading and writing, even as a child. I always notice, and in all my examinations or classroom work, 
my strength has always been at reading and writing. And at a point in my life where I later experienced childhood sexual abuse, it made me to be more isolating. And I was about eight years old when that happened. So it helped. I, I think I dealt with that by being, I coped with that by being isolating. And since I was always by myself, I spent time either re reading or writing. So that was my favorite pastime. Until that is still my favorite pastime. Wow. Wow. Did, did you feel like, oh, at that point in your life, I'm so sorry to hear about the sexual abuse. When you were reading, did, did, it, did it feel like it took you to another universe? It took you away from the pain that you were experiencing? Yes, it did. And even as a child, my favorite book was Nancy Drew. My favorite author was Nancy Drew. And I read most of her, her writings. And Nancy Drew is a detective writer. So I really loved her books because it gave me ideas on how to carry out investigation. I'm not sure why, maybe because of what I've been through. And I felt like if I talk to someone about it, then they'll have to investigate and try to ask questions to find out. So I was really drawn to read Nancy Drew's books. And it's all about detective and investigation. And even as a child, I always said when I grow up, I want to be an FBI because I read so much about detective and investigation. So it always took me to that world of wanting to know what is going on, wanting to get answers to questions that came up to, in my mind. Yeah, so it really, that was the way I, I coped with the abuse I went through. And yeah. Using my imagination yeah. and all that. And the thing about detective work is that their their goal is justice. Yeah. So th there was probably some desire and want for justice as well. Yeah. Your your bio is so powerful. Um, I've never read a bio like that. You you mentioned that you went from vic victim through survival. That's what you said. Through survival to thriver. I was like, wow, that's different. Uh, I know you already shared a little bit about your story. Can you please tell us more about your story? Yeah, that part of my bio is actually the, the subtitle of my book. So my book is titled The Case Giant. It was published in 2018. It's titled Case Giant and the subtitle is From Victim Through Survivor to Thriver. And I use that title because when someone experienced trauma, the way I define trauma is any, some. Trauma is any undesirable life events which occurs in a state of helplessness and obstructs the likelihood to recognize or maximize abilities and skills. So because it occurs in a state of helplessness, it leaves a person feeling, not just feeling, but actually being a victim because for most people who experience trauma, you are not able to, you are not able to fight back at that time. It, sometimes it happens suddenly. And even when it's ongoing, you're often not able to, to fight back, you're often not able to, to deal with the abuser at that time. So the person, well, the victim, I look at it as a victim because at that point, you can't do anything about it, you are helpless. But now moving from the victim to the survivor is when we start having survivor skills, what, a, what is commonly known as coping mechanism. Saying that, okay, maybe I'm not able to fight back at this time. Maybe I'm not able to have justice at this time. Maybe I'm not able to forgive the person at this time, whatever way, because fighting back it could mean different things to different people based on different circumstances. But if at this point, 
I am not able to get what I want out of this situation. I can have coping mechanisms to deal with this. And for someone, and that's why I look at it as survivor, being a survivor, because now you're trying to survive in that situation. You might still be in the situation, but what are the things, like initially you mentioned, did I use my imagination and stuff like that? Yeah, for some people, they might be in an undesirable situation, but in order to survive with that, they use their imagination, maybe to imagine themselves being in a more pleasant situation or imagine themselves in a place where this is all over. And maybe that's like a positive coping mechanism. For another person, they might turn to things like alcohol or drugs or whatever in order to deal, to cope with what they are going through. So I look at that to be the survival stage. Now getting to the thriver is where you start having self-awareness, examining your life and being like, okay, this is how I've been coping with this. Is this really helping me? Maybe it helped me survive at that time, but is it still impacting my life positively? So that's where you're, you're now like, okay, for example, if you are coping with the abuse through alcohol, and then now it's leading to a state of an alcohol addiction, do you still want to continue with that? That was in the survival stage. But now to be a thriver is where you're dealing now with those coping mechanisms that no longer serve you and adopting something healthy, something which is more pleasant that can help you become a better person despite all you've been through. And that's what the book, The Case Journey, is really all about. It talks about what, how, what trauma is and how a person can so recover from trauma, the various stages from being a victim, what, what being a victim is all about. It uses, like, it's the story is not just about research and research methods or steps, but it's actually a, the true life story where it goes from where the person started experiencing the trauma, the abuse to how the person's, so um, survive with it and how the, what the person did to become a thriver. Maybe now, instead, like in the case Jaya, the story now is instead of drinking or watching things that no longer help you, you might now go out to serve other people who have experienced what you have experienced. That's what the, the main character in the book did. She went out to be of service to other people because as a Christian, one of the Bible verses that really speaks to me is, I think it's in First or Second Corinthians ten thirteen that says, "The Lord comforts us in our troubles, so we might use that same comfort to comfort those who have been through it as well." So that's not like okay, maybe what I've been through, it's not wasted, because there's someone going through what I have been through. Now, what did I learn from that, and how can I give back to the society? I look at that step of giving back as being the thriving state. So that's the victim, survivor, and thriver. And I can imagine someone who was sexually abused at eight years old, helpless, mm -hmm. right? At eight years old, you're playing outside, playing with your friends, helpless. I mean, it doesn't matter the yeah. age, but then at that, at that point, to be helpless, you know what yeah. I mean? And now, going from that stage of being a victim to being a survivor, like you said, surviving people use different mechanisms from drinking sometimes it's isolating yeah. yourself because doing that too much too is exactly. wrong like or like even if you are like just isolating just reading all the time reading is mm -hmm. great but like maybe you're avoiding people you're not having relationship but then i can imagine people asking themselves questions like god why did you allow me to yeah. do this um so 
I, someone can even be hearing your story like, oh, now she's helping other people. She wrote a book. That's amazing. But they're like, so I went through all that so that I can help mm-hmm. other people. Like, how do you get from that stage of for, forgiveness, uh, forgiving yourself? Yeah. Because sometimes, so I can imagine some people have guilt or they blame themselves. How can you get from being a survivor to a thriver when you're questioning God, you're questioning yourself, maybe questioning mm-hmm. society, the people that didn't believe you? How do you move to that stage? Because I feel like that's where your power yeah. is right now. That's where your purpose is. How do you move to that stage? It all comes back to our mindset. Because even at the time when I was a survivor, I, I can remember saying that God doesn't love me anymore. Because being a Christian, we all especially with the doctrine I had as a child. It's like you have to be a certain person in order to be in God's good books, in quotes, right? Mm -hmm. So now, after being sexually abused at that young age, and then I got pregnant at 14 and had a daughter, so I felt like, okay, now, I mean, I'm not a virgin anymore if I get married. I mean, God doesn't love me anymore. I'm out of God's good books. But then it's also about mm-hmm. the messages we hear from and things that people say to us and what people's behavior tw- towards us. I was born in Cameroon, like I mentioned, all this happened in Cameroon. It's a very Christian community. And I, I went to a Christian school my entire life. So you can imagine like reading certain words of the Bible and then hearing people interpret it in their own way. And then now you're feeling like, okay, why am I even here? Why am I even still a Christian? Because obviously I'm wasting my time. I'm not one of God's child anymore. But it all comes back to the mindset because trauma, be it through words or actions, it plants lies in our mind. So in mm. order to, to recover from that, in order to come to the place where you're like, okay, now I can serve people, is to ident- become self-aware, identify, examine yourself. At this, Is this really true? What people are saying or what, they are making me believe or what I believe currently. Is it the truth about me or is it lies? And it all comes back. I encourage everyone, like if you're a Christian, to read the Bible, not just listen to what the preacher has to say. Because people have their opinions and they interpret it based on their own experiences. It doesn't really mean that it's really what God is saying. So if you read the Bible and pray and help them, ask the Holy Spirit to interpret it to you, to talk to you. Like for me, it all came back to me reading the Bible and asking the Holy Spirit to to reveal to me what I'm reading, the truth in the word, right? Then that's when I started realizing certain revelation, knowing that, okay, really, what that person said said to me, like for me, one of the lies that really got to me was after I got pregnant at at 14 and I was in a boarding school, then I had my baby and I went back to school and the principal was like, you can't study here anymore because you've had a child, so you'll be a negative example to the other kids in this school. It was an all-girls school. So that really got me because that's when I felt like, okay, if I'm a negative example in a Christian school, it means I'm a negative example to the people of the world. So how did I get now from being a negative example to people to the place where I'm now helping people recover? It all came back to me realizing that that was a lie. Reading the Bible, I know that God loves us and he said there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So that was a powerful verse that helped me know that I am not condemned. And we can all change by renewing our minds. So do not conform to this world because the world gives us certain patterns, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the word of God. So through the word of God, we can renew our minds to know that, no, that is a lie and this is the truth. And it's also good to work with a professional because sometimes we might believe a lie and think it's the truth. 
But if we're working with a professional, let's say professional therapy, for me, when I went through my graduate program in psychology, that really helped me because I was able to identify some of my coping mechanisms and realize that, okay, this is a way of coping. This is not how life has to be. And then using now my psychology knowledge and my knowledge from the Bible, I always say psychology and spirituality go together because it impacts our spirit, soul, and body. So when I put those two yeah. knowledge together, then I was able to realize, okay, that was a lie and this is the truth. This is really who I am. What I have believed for so long, that is not who I really am. But this is my truth from the word of God and psychology backs it up in so many ways. So yeah, that was how I was able to go from being, having a mindset of, I'm a negative example to people, to the mindset of, no, I have something to offer to the world and to help others who've been through what I've been through. That's powerful. I love that you went to the word of God. The word of God is, mm-hmm. was your weapon, was your, was your, had, was what helped you to be able to see yourself the way God, yeah. God will want you to see yourself exactly the way God wants you to see yourself. And it was also your weapon. I'm so glad that you didn't stay in that place of, oh, mm-hmm. I'm the negative example because here I am meeting you now and you're an inspiration mm-hmm. to me and to so many people. So, I'm so glad that you had the word of God to help you through those tough times. You mentioned going to um, getting, being in a master's program to study psychology. Uh, tell us about the work that you do today. Like I said, this is part of your purpose and your journey of being um, a thriver is now you're helping your impact in lives through your educational background and then your own personal experience and your spiritual uh, life. So. Yeah. What I did was, it's not a master's program, it's a graduate diploma in psychosocial rehabilitation. So psychosocial rehabilitation is about using social skills to deal with psychological problems. Like for example, some people who have experienced experienced mental illness or mental health challenges, they face problems of homelessness or not being able to continue their education or develop life skills. So psychosocial rehabilitation is a program that promotes, so we promote programs for homes, um, having people with mental illness in homes, having people with lived experience, I don't like saying people with mental illness, people with experience, people with lived mental, ex- mental illness experience, helping them get in homes or to develop life skills or to build social connections. But besides that program that I did, I also went ahead to specialize in trauma and to get certified as a trauma recovery coach. So I also do coaching, both individual and group or corporate coaching to sensitize people on what trauma is all about. But in my individual coaching, I work with people who have experienced trauma to help them recover from it. Because like I said, sometimes there are some lies that we believe is the truth. But when you work with someone who has knowledge in that, and one thing I love with coaching is that most most of the coaches I know, they also have the lived experience. So then you know I am not alone. Because especially when it comes to abuse, you might feel like I am all alone. No one's going to understand what I have been through. But when you work with a trauma recovery coach or a therapy or someone who who has been trained in that area and may have the additional bonus of having a lived experience, then you know, okay, no, I am not alone. There are people who've been through this and come out on the other side. And they can coach you. They can counsel you. They can guide you to come out on that other side. That's powerful. What is your favorite part 
about being a certified trauma recovery coach. Um, I know as therapists, as coaches, our mm-hmm. job can be very challenging. So sometimes it's weird even saying, what's your favorite part? But I can imagine that it is also rewarding, the work that you do. So maybe to say what is the most rewarding part about being a certified trauma recovery I would coach. say the favorite part yeah. is even having people speak up about their abuse. Because I come from a community, mm. like I said, in Africa, in Cameroon, people go through situation and the culture is like, just suck it in and, and, and you'll be fine. I mean, get over it. It happened and it's over. But that's not it. People suffer and die in silence. So my favorite part of it is even just having someone speak up and say, I experienced this. Because sometimes even the fear of, mm. will someone believe me? Or how are people going to react? The shame... And the guilt sometimes, which sometimes even the people who express it, it's not their fault, but there's always that guilt within them that makes them not to want to speak up. Or there's the shame that makes people stay in silence. So my favorite part of it is just having someone speak up and say, this is what I'm going through. Because I believe that's even like 50% of the work, if you are able to acknowledge that I have been through this, it's like 50% of the work is done because someone is not able to acknowledge that this is their struggle. Despite what you say to them, there's not going to be any difference because they don't even acknowledge that they've been through that. But when a person is able to acknowledge that this is my struggle, I need help in this area, then it makes me so happy because I see someone who is willing to get out of whatever unpleasant situation they find themselves, be it in their thoughts or in their brain, because trauma messes up people's brain. I mean, there's a lot of neuroscience research to show the impact of trauma on the brain. It messes up relationships. Even your relationship with yourself, your relationship with people, your relationship with yeah. God. So just being able to speak out and say, this is my experience. That is my favorite part of it because I see someone who is ready to make a difference in their life. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to ask this because you mentioned that, especially mm-hmm. being from an African community. What are some, I, I also know that you also, the podcast episode I listened mm-hmm. to was you sharing uh, about your work and about mm-hmm being in that community what are some things that um what are changes you would like to see or what are changes that you are seeing working with african immigrants or like just other people that have worked with african immigrants that have experienced trauma what are some changes you like to see or what are some changes that you are seeing one of the changes i'm seeing right now is people realizing that they are not alone because like i said the silence Mm -hmm. is a huge part of it we have known people who are going through abusive situation, but they stay in it or they keep quiet about it or they believe that this is how it's always going to be. But I see the change in that people are now speaking more about what they've been through and people are um, asking for help more than ever before from what I've seen from our mothers and our grandmothers generation. And people are able to identify things that are wrong mm-hmm. from things that are right. Not only in cultural practices, but even in spiritual or Christian cycles, people are able to say, okay, no, this is religious abuse or this is spiritual abuse, right? So seeing people talk more about it, I think that's one thing I'm noticing more in our community. But what I would like to see more is for people to support those who have experienced it. Because even though people talk about it, but sometimes we always feel like, well, oh, you look fine. Despite what you've been through, I mean, look at you, you're doing well for yourself externally. People know how to polish up and look so good, but they don't know how the person is suffering inside. 
So if someone opens up to you, first of all, believe the person. Believe the person. And then secondly, if you are not trained to help the person deal with it, encourage the person or lead the person to someone who can help them deal with that situation. That's what I would like to see more in our community, not to tell people to get over it, you look fine, I mean, you're okay. No, the person is not okay. The person might look okay, but internally the person is not okay. Yeah, so it's like, if you don't know what to say or you don't know how to help people, direct them to the people who are able mm -hmm. to help them. Um, I love that. So to close out, is there anything else you'd like to share with other people just based on your life story and the work that you do? And also tell us how we can connect. With the you. last thing I'd like to tell anyone who's experienced trauma based on the work I do and my life story is to let you that you are not alone and that you are valuable. You are so valuable and you are so loved and your life matter. Do not look like, do not feel like what you've been through has made you not valuable to the society. You are valuable to the society. You have something to offer and you matter. We see you, we hear you and they support. If only you could come out of whatever silence you've put as a barrier between you. There are people who are out there to help you. Reach out to whoever can help you. Find a safe space. It's very important to find a safe space or a safe person to talk to. That makes a difference because you can talk to someone that re-traumatize you. So find a safe space. And you can connect with me on to my website, www.possibilityrealm.com possibility and on Instagram at Manny Ebot or at Possibility Realm. And I also have a sisterhood that, um, group that we meet every Saturday. It's mostly African women. That's one thing I really love why I said I see more people speaking up now. Because in our group, we meet every Saturday on Zoom. It's not recorded so that people can be free to speak out. It's a safe space, non-judgmental. So if you are a lady listening, you can join us on Saturdays to share your story or to just listen to other people's story and how we support one another on our recovery journeys. And you can also, through my website, you can get my book, The Case Giant, From Victim to Survivor to Thriver. And you can also book individual or group coaching through my website. Nice. And I'll have the links in the show notes for everybody so it's easily accessible. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. I want you to know that you are valuable. You have purpose within you. Don't forget to rate and review Joy in Purpose podcast on all podcast platforms. Enjoy your day.